Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I hope you had a safe, happy, and healthy holiday season and are getting ready for what promises to be a much better 2021 than we experienced in 2020. I'm excited to bring you a whole new slate of podcast episodes focusing on all the stuff that I like to talk about, data visualization, presentation skills, and data communication. And I've got a great lineup for you over the next several weeks and months, so I hope you'll join me and keep tuning in every other week for the show. Of course, January brings a very exciting milestone in my life. My new book, Better Data Visualizations, is set to hit bookshelves any day now, and I hope you will uh, check it out, uh, grab it uh, from your favorite bookstore, Amazon, my publisher at Columbia University, or wherever you get your books. Um, it is a two-year project in the making, and I'm very excited to get it out into the world uh, to help people do a better job visualizing and communicating their data. But on to the podcast. So uh, I've spent a bit of time uh, in the last few episodes talking about how uh, we could do a better job uh, approaching racial and equity work in our data visualizations. We've talked about inequality in algorithms and in our search engines. And I hope you'll go and check out all those uh, podcast episodes from the fall. But today we're going to turn to talking about how to effectively help people learn about data and graphics. And to help me do that, I'm very excited to have my friend Chantilly Jagernoth on the show with me. Chantilly is a Tableau Zen master. She is also the founder of a nonprofit group called Millennials in Data, where she helps bridge the data literacy and analytical skills gap uh, with students and also uh, adults uh, by training and mentoring and preparing people to work in a data-driven environment. She's also a Tableau Zen master, so in this episode, we talk about her background in Tableau, how she got interested in it, how she you know, took off in her skills, and also how she started the Millennials and Data Project, and also her work on the Tableau Racial Equity Task Force that uh, has recently started up, and I'm excited to see uh, what they come out with. So I'm not going to belabor the introduction anymore. Again, Happy New Year. I hope you're all well. So here is my interview, the first podcast of 2021. Here's my chat with Chantilly. Hi, Chantilly. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is a big thrill, right? Like I get to see you like twice a year when we get together for watching you teach my Georgetown students how to actually do Tableau as opposed to having me ruin any potential Tableau skills they could ever have. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure having those sessions. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. That's great. I'm so glad we get to get to chat. So you've got a lot going on and some really exciting projects and endeavors. And I also want to talk about how you got into Tableau and what it's like being a Zen master. So um, maybe we can start just by uh, having you uh, introduce yourself and talk about your background a little bit. And so people can sort of get to know you a little bit. Awesome, for sure. Well, I'm Chantilly Jagannath. Um, I, I wear a lot of titles. So I would say my, my full-time title is Vice President of Data Visualization and Training at Lovelytics. Uh, Lovelytics is a Tableau partner consulting company based out of Arlington, Virginia. Um, in addition to that, I'm also the CEO and founder of Millennials and Data, which I'll speak more about. But we are a nonprofit organization who works to bridge the data literacy gap between um, millennials and and what they're learning in school and kind of what's taking place in the real world in terms of, of looking at data. Um, and then I'm also a two-time Tableau Zen master. 
And my, my journey into to Tableau took place about 10 years ago, actually, when I was a student at Howard University um, based out of Washington, D.C. And I had an assignment that was given by my professor and he just said, make sense of this data. And this data was just so massive. It was like a million records plus, had no clue that it was it was that big. I just knew that every time I tried to open it in Excel, it would crash my computer a bunch of times. And I simply just Googled that night, you know, what, what can analyze large amounts of data and a Tableau advertisement appeared. And it was, I saw that it was free for students and I just downloaded it, knocked out my assignment, presented it to my class the next day and my professor was intrigued and I was intrigued as well that I was able to kind of find some insight in this in this data. So that's really where where my love for Tableau began. Wow. And so from there, once you had the, the student version, did you take classes or did you just keep playing around with it and just got, you know, just built your own skills? So I, I kept playing around with the tool. So I, I love to, to self-teach myself things. Uh, I love yeah. watching YouTube videos. I'm also very active, like when, I, when I'm learning something. So in addition to like watching videos, I'll also be following along with like my own data set. But what was unique about my journey was that at the same time that I was a student, I was working for Johnson & Johnson. At the, at the same time. So it was easy for me to speak with my manager and my advisor at the time and ask them, how do they use Tableau or have they heard of Tableau? You know, how does Johnson & Johnson use data analytics? And I was fortunate enough that next summer to actually be placed in a role where I could start to analyze data and see how, you know, such a large organization uses data. So I would say in me teaching myself and then also having some real world hands-on experience pretty early on assisted me in my journey. Yeah, that's great. So you had mentioned that when you were going through the YouTube videos and looking at the tutorials, you had your, your own data that you were using. So when you are talking to people, when you're teaching your, your classes and you're working with clients, you know, you teach your day long class or half day class or four days of class, you know, then they have to go learn it on their own. So what is your recommendation for people to really learn a tool? Is it go get some data and, and just go make as much stuff as you can with those data? Yeah, so I think now data, there are so many sites that have data available, right? When I when I was starting out like 10 years ago, we didn't have like, I think like data.gov was the, the main site that yeah. you could probably get open source data from, but now there are so many websites that provide you with open source data, data data.world, you have Kaggle, you still have like all of the .gov sites. Uh, There are just so many uh, avenues that you can fetch data from. And I feel as though when you're learning something new, the best way to, to learn it is to use it in addition to doing something that you love. So for me, I like sports, right? So I would look at sports data or I like, you know, um, what other types of data sets do I like? I like, I just like random data sets. Like I'm not a particular person that <laughs> has a passion around it, but yeah, I know yeah, how, yeah. that's how some people learn, right? So if you if you love basketball, right? Analyze some basketball data using using Tableau. Follow the tutorials, you know, and and use the data that that you like. I think that's that's how most people learn and catch on to things. So let me ask you this: So ten years ago, I feel like you could work in any tool, it's Tableau, it's R, it's JavaScript, it's whatever it is, you could work in a tool, 
you could learn it, you could post something to Twitter or to Tableau Public. And even if it was kind of not great, you would get, some people would give you a hard time, but you basically, I always found I got more constructive feedback than anything. Do you still think that's the case? And if so, like how should people think about developing their own skills and getting constructive feedback? I think now the community is is massive, right? Like yeah. I've, I've stepped away a little bit from the community because of just how, how much it's, it's grown. Uh, so I would say for a newcomer, it's a little difficult to, and a little overwhelming, not difficult. It's a little overwhelming, right? Coming, coming into the, to the new community. But I would say if somebody is really looking for good feedback, what I found for some of the individuals that I work with, the best way to get the best feedback would not be from the community as a whole, but more so from a mentor, right? Mm -hmm. So I would say for new individuals who are, are looking to get feedback, constructive feedback, because there are so many individuals who are online who could give you good feedback, could give you bad feedback. I think the best feedback might actually come from you finding one or two individuals who are in your circle who can provide you with constructive feedback. That's the route that I would go personally. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, it also sounds like you had a, a job where they supported your efforts and were interested in potentially utilizing that particular tool within the organization, which I, I would guess is not the case for, for a lot of people. Well, maybe less people now than, than 10 years ago. So you're right. One of the things that enabled my journey was that I did have a job that already used the tool, but that was, that was just one role. So at Johnson & Johnson, it's like an organization within an organization. You can you can move around. You can work for one department who has never heard of like Tableau, and then you can go to another department who has everything you know developed and, and designed inside of Tableau. So what what I found actually was that I would seek out those roles and those positions who did not have Tableau, and I would introduce them to the tool. It would take me about two to three months to talk them into it. And then I would start migrating over those legacy reports that were done in some of those those older systems. Um, some some were Excel reports, just anything that was done manually. I would transition that over to Tableau. So that was always my challenge. And I felt like once I was able to get an org set up or a department set up, then that would be my success story. And I would kind of move on to finding a new team that I can do that for. So that was like my Interesting. Thing. Right. Did you ever find that you got into a department and introduced the folks there to Tableau and then they would start to start to use it and then people got so good at it that you would start to learn from, you know, start to learn certain things from them that you hadn't even seen before? I wouldn't say that I would learn things from them. I would learn things that they asked for. So unfortunately, uh -huh. a lot of the roles that I was in, I was the main developer and I was supporting a lot of leaders and uh, the leaders that I was working for, they were only going into the tool to look for what they wanted, not necessarily to analyze and, and develop. But I would say that in each of those roles, and even still today, there are requests that I get that I'm like, all right, give, give me a day to, to find that out. So before I used to say, no, Tableau couldn't do that. And then I would say, oh, look, I was able to do it. So I've learned to stop saying, no, it can't do that and just say, okay, let me, fit, let me 
find out how to do it inside of right. uh, Tableau now. So I would say uh, over the course of the 10 years and even still today, I'm still learning just so much, you know, in terms of, of things that, that you can do because of the requests that I get from my key stakeholders. What is uh, in the newest version of Tableau? What's your favorite new piece of the software that they've added? So my favorite piece um, is the collapsible container. So wow. and this isn't new, new. It's I think it, it came out maybe two years ago, but it's something that I use with pretty much every dashboard. So whenever you are transitioning a org or a department or a user from a tabular report to some form of a visualization, and it's multiple people who are looking at it, you're not going to get 100% buy-in, right? So there, right. Is, there are still those folks who are going to want to see those tabular reports. And if the goal of the project was to visualize it in a better way, um, unfortunately, you're going to get a thumbs down if you don't have a text table on there, right? Some, some users yeah. are expecting for you to like, redesign a, ta a tabular report in Tableau and make it the exact same tabular report. And, that, and that's never the case. So the reason that I love the collapsible container so much is because now I satisfy both audiences by having the main visualization take up all of the real estate but then I use a collapsible container for those text happy individuals so that they can click on that button and the text table will expand and then they can collapse it and they'll see the visualization. Interesting. So you're trying to get all of your potential users. Exactly. To, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Can you talk a little bit about the Zen Master program and, and particularly what it was like for you. This is your second time, I think, right? Being a Zen master, like what is, for people who don't know what the program is and, and what the process is like, um, if you could explain that for folks. And then also like, what was personally for you, what is it like to be to be a Zen master and be recognized, uh, you know, as a leader and an expert for that tool and in the field? Awesome, for sure. Um, so a, a Tableau Zen master is a, a leader in the Tableau community who is giving back and who is who is teaching on their their free will. So you have individuals who are very active on the Tableau forum and they're answering user questions, right? I think our forum, the Tableau forum is one of the best forums that, that I've seen out there where any question that you've had, you know, somebody is always willing to answer. So you have Zen masters who spend a lot of their free time just answering those questions. You also have some Zen masters who um, work with the developers and, and, and work to enhance the product, right? All on their free time. You have some then masters who write blogs on, you know, new tips and tricks or new enhancements on Tableau, who's just always, you know, finding ways to give back to the community. You have some Zen masters who are teaching in, in their own way, whether it's through blog. And then a Zen master like myself, I'm teaching through my nonprofit, Millennials and Data. So I think that's kind of where I got my my leg into the into the program. Uh, the mm -hmm. program runs every year. It's a, a nomination uh, on a nomination basis. So they, they open up nominations uh, once a year and the community nominates you based on the things that they've seen, you have to fill out a couple of questions. And then internally, Tableau looks at those nominations. And I believe they have a committee who comes up with the final individuals who will make the program. And it lasts, it lasts for a year. So I, I became a Zen master in 2018. 
I believe. And when I had my conversation uh, with the, the Tableau team around why I became a Zen master, it was really because of the work that I was doing with millennials and data. Great. So let's turn to millennials and data. So this is a nonprofit that you started. Is it housed or is it home now in DC or in Philly? So we are virtual. Virtual. Okay. So, so there's no, there's no home. Yeah, it's not, there's no home. <laughs> the home is the love that you guys all feel for one another. Um, They're all virtual. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk about it? What does it do and, and what do you hope it can accomplish? Yeah, for sure. So I started Millennials in Data uh, about two years ago. The idea came three years ago, but I officially launched it two years ago um, with the intent to uh, make sure that millennials and just other individuals who were around, you know, the, the college student age ha- had an understanding of how they could use data coming out of college. So I would say that throughout my professional career, what I've learned is that when I was turning over some of these dashboards to leadership, uh, some of the questions that I was getting asked weren't really technical questions about the tool, but more so data literacy questions. Mm-hmm. And there was this talk that started coming about of, you know, what is data literacy and how can we we close the data literacy gap within the organization? And a lot of companies were outsourcing to figure out how can they, you know, start to train their employees internally to be more data literate. And I decided that I wanted to actually assist in this, but more so, you know, by, with my own organization and, and going to schools and targeting university students and making sure that they had some form of a data literacy education uh, before they graduated. So I started this program at, at Howard University with 10 students who um, did not have a technical background, meaning they were not majoring in like engineering or, or data analytics, things like that. These were all business students who were majoring in, in, in accounting, marketing, finance, uh, some, some of those fields. And they had zero knowledge of, of, of data. They had zero knowledge of Tableau. And the goal was that within 16 weeks, I wanted to make sure that they understood exactly how they can use data within any field that they decided to go into. So I ran the program for 16 weeks. It was it was a success. Um, based on the feedback that I got from that program at Howard, I continue to enhance and build upon the curriculum. So I think our first program, we just touched on Tableau, but then our second one, we started touching on SQL because if you wanna become a data analyst, right? SQL might be one of the things that they're gonna ask you if you, if you understand it. So we added SQL to the course. We added live database connections to the course as well. Um, I've expanded the course even to to professionals, and and now I can say that we're wrapping up with our our fourth cohort. We run two cohorts every year, and we're wrapping up with our fourth cohort right now, about 20 students in the cohort, 11 or 12 of whom are are students, and then we have about seven who are actual professionals who are looking for, for this training. Wow, that's great. Congratulations. That is that is that is incredible. Thank you. Um, so backing, I guess, I guess kind of backing up a little bit and from your perspective, what should universities, colleges, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, like what should they add to the existing curriculum so that people have more data literacy, more graphic literacy, you know, are better stewards and being able to be, you know, better citizens by by understanding data in better ways? I definitely think that there should be like a data 101 course Mm. that encompasses um, 
visual literacy, like visualization literacy, how to read and interpret your basic, like your basic chart types and even some intermediate chart types. I also think that the class should touch on um, from a from an analyst perspective, like if you're if you're given a task from leadership or from a key stakeholder, how do you go about executing that task? You know, how do you how do you use data to, to execute that task? So I definitely think that at least a, a data 101 class uh, is necessary, right? How do you interpret various data types, right? What's the difference yeah. between quantitative versus qualitative data? Um, how do you really use, you know, Y equals MX plus B in the real world, right? Because uh, yeah. we learned that we learned that in school. And I, I just finished teaching that lesson I just finished teaching that lesson last week to, to my students. And it's like, all right, remember when you were in grade school, Y equals MX plus B, you know, we just learned this as a, as a equation in math, but we really didn't understand when I didn't understand back then how you could use that in the real world. So just right. like a linear regression model, things, things like that. So I definitely think that a data 101 class that encompasses the, the teachings that the students have now, like especially in, in math and, and, and things like that, groups all of that information together and shows them, you know, how they can be more data literate. And where would you put that data 101 class? Is that a, is that a post-secondary class or is that somewhere where, where people are younger? I think it can be in any, in any age group because yeah. I've done, I've actually done like a, I wouldn't even call it a data literacy class, but I've done like a data literacy type of mini training at a daycare, right? Where we were using, <laughs> we were using building blocks. We were, right. we were counting. I was asking them questions in the form of like what we would say is a, a business question in, in, in the adult world. And I was asking these little babies, these, these questions and then showing them <laughs> how it can use their building blocks to answer those questions. And then we were constructing graphs that produced the, the final answer. So I would say, all right, um, we have all of these blocks scattered together. What's the first thing that you want to do if you want to know like how many red blocks are in here? Obviously, you want to pick out all of the red box blocks. Now, if you want to tell your mom when you go home, you know how many red blocks you had to play with versus like the green blocks or the blue blocks and make a case for why you all need more like red blocks, you have to make a picture to, to show her that. So yeah. how, how tall should the, the red bar be compared to the green bar based on the number of blocks that are available? So... I think it can be in any in in, yeah. in any level. Yeah, I, I I think you're absolutely right, and I and I think it should, I think it should be, um, or or at least expanded for for what we what we have. Mm -hmm. um, the last thing I wanted to uh, ask you about was the Tableau Community Equity Task Force, which I know you're you're a member of, and you already had a few meetings. Um, what is the task force like? What are its goals? Are you meeting like every day? Like, how is uh how is that experience so far? For sure. Uh, so the, the task force is, is pretty new. Um, the, the task force is a part of Tableau's racial uh, justice data initiative. Um, we are there. We're, we are 12 members uh, within the community, all different backgrounds. And I think that's what I love the, the most about it. Um, but we're bringing our own unique perspective to this group so that we can help Tableau understand how we can do better as a community. How can we be more representative as a community, right? Um, we're, we're looking at various entry points into the community and seeing if there's anything that, that we can do better so that we're making sure that 
we have, you know, equal representation or a good representation really across all of the diversity groups that are that are in the community. Wow. And so um, is how many people are on the, the committee? There are 12 of us and we meet on a monthly basis for about an hour. We, we typically go over because the conversations are, are just so, <laughs> yeah. so great. Uh, there's, there's more to come. Uh, we will have some initiatives rolling out in, in 2021. Right now we're, we're in the weed of things and, and trying to establish exactly like the directions and the things that we'll, we're gonna put you know, a plan and some action behind, behind next year because we're we're just not another task force that's saying that we're going to do something and you know it things just never change because uh, you know a lot of companies earlier this year they were saying that they were going to do certain things when you know certain events were taking place in the United States and what I really like is that with this particular initiative I actually see us putting the the, the rubber to the road and making sure that we have some some milestones and some things, some actionable items that we want to come out of it next year. That's great. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the work come out of that and see some actionable items. Um, Chantilly, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's always great chatting with you. Um, and uh, congrats on all the all the success you've had. It's great to, great to hear about all these uh, initiatives and work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you will check out Chantilly's work on her website and the Millennials and Data site. And I hope you'll join me in being excited about what comes out of the Tableau Community Equity Task Force work. Uh, hopefully that will come out soon. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs, and each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you would like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy Viz podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.